Welcome to the School of Wellbeing podcast. I am your host, Meg Durham, wellbeing speaker, educator, and coach. Together, we're going to explore lessons to help us live well. Let the learning begin. Welcome back to the School of Wellbeing podcast. I am so excited to share this bonus episode with you. In this episode, I chat with Katrina Myers, who you may remember from episode nine. In this conversation, you can be a fly on the wall as we discuss Christmas, stress, overwhelm, holidays, relationships, and so much more. I hope you enjoy this bonus conversation with Katrina Myers. Hi team, Katrina and I are so excited to bring you this conversation all about how are we consciously choosing to move into this festive period when we are feeling tired and excited about what next year is going to bring. So to kick things off, Katrina, what are you starting to notice in the people that you're working with at the moment? Hello, Meg. Yes, so I guess what I've been hearing and noticing is that there just seems to be a lot of people getting really burnt out at the moment. I think, you know, with the the year, the years that we've had, uh, lockdowns and then coming out of lockdowns and heading, you know, full pelt into Christmas and trying to fit everything in before Christmas and then the anticipation of Christmas, which is, you know, often causes a lot of stress anyway, and then trying to get everything done and all of that, it just seems to be more compounded this year. And I think people experienced a full range of things during lockdowns and during all of that. But there was a slowdown for a lot of people, which I think a lot of people actually enjoyed. And then as we're coming out of that, it's back to rush. And I think people maybe just finding it really hard to navigate that. How do we settle back in? And and do we really want to go back to rush and busy? And we're sort of finding that we are going back to rush and busy. And do we really want that? And, and it's just causing a bit of, I guess, uh, like, you know, discomfort and discombobulation for people around like, yeah, how do we navigate this? And so I think it's really exciting to have this chat with you today and hear from you and, and for us just to have a conversation around, yeah, how we're managing and, and some sort of tips and some advice for people and, yeah, just to share our experiences and, and what we think might help. So I'm really excited to chat about this because I think, you know, it's it's such a big thing, isn't it, that people find it so hard at this period. So Meg, you know, what's your experience of this? And have you got some great advice for us around how to survive this silly season? I'm laughing because we're all human and we all feel pressure in different ways. So for some people, the idea of cooking is a pressure. And for another person, that's a complete joy. For another person, buying gifts is a pleasure. For somebody else, that's a complete drainer. You know, for the idea of school functions, wrapping up events, that brings out so much joy in one person and another person thinking I've got nothing to wear. So mm. really thinking about all the layers of pressure that we're feeling and then there's this beautiful invitation to step back and think about what is within my control, what can I do something about and what can't I do things about. So For example, if you're worrying about visitors coming in, quarantine or all of those things, that's something that we can't do anything about. We cannot do anything about restrictions. However, we can do things when it comes to how we're going to buy gifts or what food we're going to cook and things like that. So really taking some time to think about all of these pressures really build up and it's never just one thing. 
You know, I've mm-hmm. been working in schools in the last few weeks and everybody has had a year that you can't even articulate. It's something that we'll hopefully never experience again. But a part of it gave us an insight of what it's like to step away from our normal, to step away from our life, and now to step back into it. And people are starting to notice, I can't go at the pace that I was going pre-COVID. I can't work a full week and then have people over for a dinner party and be all on top of it. Now it's exhausting enough just getting to work or just getting the kids to school, let alone having additional things. So I think this is a beautiful time amongst the mess to start making some decisions about what we choose to do moving forward and what we could possibly just slowly let slide. Because mm, and I was just thinking as you were talking then, like because we're sharing this on both of our podcasts, is for your for you know you work with teachers and your podcast is sort of supports a lot of teachers. And I think it must be even extra pressure for them this year too after everything they've been through. Have you been noticing this as well with the people that you've been working with? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, the emotional load that is required of teachers normally is really high, but in the last two years. There's no scale for it. It's out of this world, the emotional labour. And what we know about emotional labour, so that's when we're thinking about others, about their welfare, about their wellbeing, what's going on for them, this emotional labour. So we can feel this emotional labour in our families at times where you feel that responsibility for other people. What we know about emotional labour is it has a real physical experience it really lands physically in our body and it is exhausting. It is so tiring being up and on for other people. And I know that parents experience this. Pretty much anybody who deals with humans experiences a certain amount of emotional labour and that has a significant impact on the way that we feel and function, so how physical it is in our body. Yeah, and and I think... The thing is, you know, then that you and I talk about a lot, and, and part of the a big, big part of the reason why we share what we share is because it is a human experience, and it, like most of these things that we are struggling with, and and if you're feeling this way at the moment, and you're listening to this and going, "Whoa, that is definitely me. I am burnout. I'm not coping." Just to know that you are not alone, and there's a lot of people experiencing this right now, and the choices that we make and how we show up for our days and the things that we can do. And there are things that we can do to support ourselves through all of this challenge and, you know, overwhelm. So, Meg, you know, it doesn't ever hurt, I don't think, to come back to the battery. So, you know, this is one of, this is, I learned this from you, the battery, I think five years ago, and it just hit me like a ton of bricks because, when you first talked about the battery, I don't think I was, I definitely wasn't in the place that I'm in now. And it's such a powerful way to just check in with yourself. So for who hasn't heard you talk about the battery and for even those that have, I, I know from my experience, I like to hear things over and over and over again, and it always lands differently. And I always learn a new thing. So would you suggest that the battery would be a good place to start with right now, just to check back in with yourself? Absolutely. It always starts with a battery. And it's funny you say that, Katrina, because myself, I have taught the battery for 10 years. And just yesterday, I was teaching it to a new group. And I learned something again for myself. It is a work in progress. And I often laugh that in wellbeing, it's never done. We can't just tick the box like, yep, 
battery sorted, we're good. It's every 24 hours. So the question that I ask myself every 24 hours, have I had enough sleep for my body? Have I moved my body, nourished my body? Have I engaged in some rest? And have I had some quality connection? So these five questions are really vital and they sound so basic. And yet Mm. if we're not charged, we can't show up. We can't make decisions. We know the feeling when we're completely depleted. We haven't had sleep. We're eating rubbish. Rest has gone out the window. Quality connection's gone because you're just surviving and you're withdrawn and you're just getting through. And movement was a thing that happened a few months ago. Just how tiring that is. It's this vicious cycle. And so this is why I always start with the battery because it's hard to make good decisions that align with our values when we're exhausted. So I encourage everybody in this next few weeks to really think about your battery. Come back to basics. How are you sleeping? How are you moving? What are you eating? How are you resting? And also your quality connection. And out of those five, I think at the moment what's so important, other than sleep, because sleep is number one, is rest. Because of what I talked about earlier, this emotional labour, this physical fatigue of this constant change, our body is exhausted. It requires rest to be able to get back out and do the things that we need to do. So how, within your reality, can you invite pockets of rest? And we're not talking about a full afternoon, a full weekend. What Katrina and I love to share is what's practical within your reality, how can you engage in pockets of rest, of respite, just to catch your breath so Mm. you can go again? You know, I was even thinking about just like, and, and I'm sure there's some people listening going, oh, my goodness, I have not got time to rest right now. But just, you know, like one thing that I love and enjoy so much is just my cup of tea in the afternoon. So after I've meditated and, you know, full disclosure, I'm like 100% committed to my well-being practices and I do a lot now but just that cup of tea in the afternoon just if, if that's all you can manage just sitting down with a little cup of tea five minutes of just that just enjoying the cup of tea is can be you know can make such a massive difference so I 100% great agree on the rest and I was also just chatting with a friend and, and she was saying how she was experiencing similar to what we've been talking about and a bit of the burnout and just not herself you know and just down and a bit flat and she had fallen off the exercise bandwagon and she said, you know, the last week she just started exercising again. It doesn't need to be anything massive, but she's just, you know, doing a bit of yoga in the morning or going for a walk and that can turn you around so quickly. If you, if you just get back into that moving your body, you can make such a big, big difference. And it's, it's so true that what you said before, the battery is the absolute basics, yet it's also often the absolute hardest and it is all of these things that we drop when we get stressed and busy and we drop these essential basics and then everything else falls apart. And they're like, it's just the absolute foundation for everything. And it, it seems so simple, yet it's so hard for most of us. So I think just, again, remembering you're human and if you are finding even the basics really hard at the moment, then you are absolutely not alone. And where can you just start with small little steps? And, and like Meg said, one little thing towards prioritising one of these things for you and just starting really small. Is that what you would suggest as well? Absolutely, because what we know is one small choice can have a ripple effect to the next small choice, to the next small choice. So let's use a concrete example. 
if you do get out of bed when the alarm goes off instead of pressing snooze, that's a choice. And then, oh, I'm up now. I'll put my clothes on and I go for a walk. That's another choice. And then once you're out walking, you listen to a great podcast, like, oh, I'm a bit up. And they're like, oh, I'm going to make a healthy breakfast. Oh, I'm feeling quite good. I'm going to deal with that phone call that I've been putting off for two weeks. And it's this positive upward spiral. However, the reverse is true as well. The phone goes off in the morning, press snooze. Then that's a choice. And then we, now we're feeling a bit rubbish, so we press snooze again. And then the kids come in and wake us up. Then we're really annoyed because the kids have got to us before we've got up and got our breath. And then we maybe yell at the kids or we might be frustrated with the kids. And then it's a downward spiral. So that's why I think it's so important to make just one change, one micro change, because it's not about that one change as such. It's about the ripple effect of that change. If you think about still water, just one drop has a ripple. And so every choice that we make has a ripple effect. It's a massive ripple effect, what we do with our battery. If we choose to go to bed late consistently, we're choosing to have a pretty rubbish morning. Like that is a choice. And we really need to think about the choices that we're making and what's going to serve me in the future. And that's something that I think about all the time because as humans, we like to go the path of least resistance. So snooze is what your brain will want to do because it's sleeping. It doesn't want to get up. It doesn't want the effort of getting out of bed. And so how I talk to myself, and I do a lot of self-coaching all the time, is what would future Meg be happy that I did? Like my future Meg, you know, in an hour's time, we'd be like, I'm so glad I got up and went for a walk. I'm so glad I had that smoothie or I'm so glad I made that phone call. My future Meg won't be saying, oh, I'm so glad I've pressed snooze three times and yelled at the kids. So thinking about in that moment, in that micro moment where you have a choice, we can have a choice to start an upward spiral or a downward spiral with one single choice. Absolutely. And I think what I was thinking about there is don't underestimate the power of the smallest, simplest things. You know, I think sometimes we think we have to do these grand gestures or we've got to make radical change or, you know, and we kind of self-sabotage by thinking and, and aiming for this lofty goal of what we need to be doing. But in actual fact, the simplest choice and the, and the in-the-moment choice and just doing that one little thing can make such a massive difference. And I think we really underestimate and we downplay what a big difference some of these small actions can make. So, just to, you know, don't don't be disheartened and think, oh my goodness, well, I can't exercise now and I can't do can't get to bed earlier and I can't get up earlier. And I mean, just one little change will make a really big difference. So just try something, something small if you can. And yeah, I think, I think so. The battery is an excellent place to start with. Do you know the other thing that I was just thinking about is really important is just starting to really notice. And I know that. And the other thing I would say is a lot of this stuff, like if you're feeling hectic and overwhelmed and busy right now, something I've been thinking about a lot is it is a long-term game to get to a place of calm and groundedness and, you know, feeling like you've got balance and all that stuff. So just know that. It's not an overnight quick fix. But what we're just trying to help you with here is this especially challenging period in the lead up to Christmas. So this is some little things that you can do right now, knowing that the overall balance and calm is a much longer term game. But I was thinking about 
something that you might be able to think about is is about boundaries. And I know that boundaries are really hard for people and saying no is really, really hard and that can also be a long-term work. But is is there a way that you could just start to have a little look, like bring a little bit of awareness into your day or into the next sort of two or three weeks whenever we get this out leading up to Christmas and just think, oh, are there some things that I could maybe just say no to? Like, is there a drinks party that I could miss? Or is there something that the kids could miss in one of their sports things? Like, do they have to do every sport in the last week? Or, you know, is there something that you could actually say no to that would create a bit of space for you and just relieve a bit of that pressure? Meg, what are your thoughts on that? Like, boundaries and being able to say no can make such a big difference, can't they? Yes, they can. And it's so hard. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so hard. And so some things around boundaries. The first thing is to just start to notice. Are you making choices to please others or are you making choices because you want to? You know, there's a real difference. There's a difference when we do things because we think we should, we've been conditioned to, the community says you have to go to this thing versus I can't wait to go to that thing. I love this thing. It happens every year and I can't wait. So I really invite people to start to notice where is it coming from? Is it coming from this sense of sacrifice or is it coming from a place of, yes, I really want to? And that might just be the first level. This year, just start to notice. You don't have to make any grand gestures. You don't have to do anything. If you've started to notice, there might be an invitation for you to say, you know, I'm my bandwidth, like I'm done. I can't do drinks this year. And I really think that this year is giving people permission to say that more than ever because people, because we're in this collective sense of exhaustion and overwhelm. I think that that gives us a beautiful opportunity to try out these things to say, look, I'm just not up for it this year. Oh, hopefully I'll be able to come next year. Like I'm just done. I'm just cooked. And so just thinking about that language and we don't have to go into the reasons why it's just a simple I I just I just can't do it this year and really thinking about that another thing when it comes to boundaries is when we set a boundary or go about doing anything differently there's going to be a counter move there's going to be someone that says oh why you should come you always love it I'd love to see you there and and being able to withstand that discomfort because that is just a part of it. And you and I love to talk about Harriet Lerner's work around the dance of anger. And essentially in relationships, we're always in a dance and the dance is very predictable. It might be a dance of you overfunction, so you do all the things and the other person does nothing. And so that's the dance or it might be the dance of they say something that you don't like and then you react a certain way and it's very predictable. Like if someone had to sit down and write a script, it's very predictable, this dance that you have. And so when we say, oh, I'm not up for it this year, that changes the dance. And so the other person's going to be a little bit confused for a while to figure out, oh, oh, but oh, oh, oh. And then eventually we find a new groove. So When it comes to boundaries, the first part is just an awareness of why are we doing what we're doing. The second part is then articulating our needs, our wants, our desires. Do we actually want to do it or not? And then the third part is withstanding that, you know, building that tolerance for discomfort because other people aren't always going to like what we have to say. 
And that is a part of it. You know, so many people work with me and say, Meg, I really want to put in boundaries. I want to do things differently. And I want to make sure that other people are okay with it. Like that is not possible. That is like saying, Meg, I want to change and I don't want any discomfort. It's just not going to happen. Oh, so there's a few things I'd like to say there. Love that. And I think the more that we can actually start to say no to things, the more it gives permission for other people to do it because I can guarantee you that there are a number of other people who'd love to say no to the Christmas function or whatever it is. And when they say, oh, hang on, it's okay to say no, then that gives permission for other people to start doing those sorts of things too. And then um, the other piece, uh, no, I've, I've lost the second part I was going to say there in relation to that last bit that you said. I was thinking of something else. I thought I thought that was so good, that last bit. What did you say at the end? Or have you forgotten that. as well? No, nah, I, <laughs> I was just in flow. But I wanted to add that when it comes to boundaries, the closer the relationship, the harder it is, you know. Yes. So if you're down at the supermarket, and you say, oh, um, do you have any grapes in stock or something, you know, and you're actually wanting to voice your opinion or you want to say, oh, I don't feel comfortable with that. If you're out in public and you've got no relationship with this person, that's a much better place to start. Like that's much more comfortable. But the closer mm. the relationship, the harder this is. And so people think, mm-hmm. oh, I should be able to do this with my family and friends. It's like, yeah, once you're skilled and once you practice, like they're the last line of defence. We really need mm-hmm. to start to build up these skills in our everyday life and then eventually we'll get to this point where we're strong enough to be able to have these conversations because what we know about relationships, the healthiest relationships are the ones that can have conversations about difficult things. Yes, absolutely. I remembered what I was going to say and, I, and then I wanted to ask you about how that that boundaries and the dances and exactly what you were saying there translates then into Christmas because it's with the people that we love the most. But around boundaries and people saying, you know, I just want everyone else to be all right with it. We have to be okay with allowing everybody else to have their own experience and, you know, release the pressure of us needing to sort of change other people and control their reaction. And that is, I think that's a huge part of the work and, and you know, it's almost a boundary is just being able to say, all right, well, I respect and allow my family, my friends to have their experience and, and let them have their experience of me saying no, but that's their thing, not mine. And then that is a really important boundary and, and part of the work and the ability to do that makes a big, big difference. But again, it's really, really hard. So, Meg, then, you know, leading up to Christmas, it's hectic busy, so we've got some tools like come back to the battery, start to bring a bit more awareness in, maybe think about some places where you can say no to some things to give yourself some more space. And then the other thing is, you know, Christmas can be just such a tense time for people. So just what you were saying there about having boundaries with family and, and, and you know, we, we see these dances come up and the old patterns that we fall into, like you can pretty much predict and script how some of the relationships are going to play out at the Christmas dinner table and what's going to happen. So, you know, some things that we kind of talked about and that, and, and that I'd love to share and, and maybe you can share some tips as well for getting through that Christmas day. But one simple thing that I think is just having that, kind of awareness and being ready for if these things might come up and really starting to think about leading into Christmas, what, you know, what relationships might be tense or what situations might get difficult and maybe having a little bit of a plan about how you could remove yourself if something really comes up. Like just say, I'm just going to go and wash the dishes or, you know, I'm just going to go and go for a walk or whatever it is. I mean, if you, you know, preparing yourself with all the battery things, ideally in a, in a perfect world, but then 
in the moment on Christmas Day, what other tips would you have for people like if Christmas is looking hard for them? Oh, a story that comes to mind is years ago, pre-kids, John and I went on a camper trailer trip and we went camping up north to Kawanyama. One of John's good friends, Lockie McClymont, was bull catching back then. And I remember asking him, like, how do you handle bulls? Like they're wild bulls. And how do you handle stock in general? Like how do you do it? Because I'm so foreign to handling cattle. And he said, in the ideal world, it's about getting the balance between pressure and release. We need to put enough pressure on the cattle that they will move where we need them to go. But then we also need to provide them with enough relief, release and rest that they can keep up. Because what we do as humans is we put too much pressure on ourselves. And when we put too much pressure on ourselves, things go haywire. Things, we get activated, we say things we wish we never said, we act in ways that are even surprising to us. We're like, what if, what even are we doing? This performance is, I just don't even understand myself because we're under so much pressure. And so my invitation to, to people is think about how can you invite pockets of respite So if it is Christmas Day and you're feeling activated, you're feeling tense, you want to go back into that dance, and when we're stressed, there's four ways we can respond. There's fight, flight, freeze, or fawn. So fight is pretty, you know, going to fight mode. You know, some of us have this, you put me into a corner, I will fight you. Other people will just freeze, like literally just sit there and maybe cry and just hope that, you know, this will just go away. Others will flight. So that's, yep, go and do the dishes, go to the toilet, go somewhere. That's fine. And then there's this other response, which is fawn, and that's when we just try and please our way out of it. Like if I just please everybody enough, we can just settle this stress. So start to notice these stress responses in you and do something about it. You know, how Mm. can you regulate yourself? Is that leaving the room? Is that doing the dishes, as you said? Is that taking a breath or is that saying, oh, I've just got to go chat to somebody else. And this is not just Christmas Day. This is in general life. When we're feeling under pressure and we're feeling activated, then we start to think, feel, act in ways that aren't always congruent with how we want to show up. So I think it's a time for awareness and this action, being able to try and regulate ourselves to just give ourselves a little bit of space. So think about this idea of pressure and release. We're under pressure. How can we create pockets of release to give ourselves a chance to breathe and to recalibrate? Because when we're stressed, when we're under pressure, everything feels intense. Everything feels urgent. Your list feels like it's just exploding. But when we take a breath, when we step back, ah. Oh, I don't even have to do that. I can ask somebody else to do that. Oh, that's actually not a problem. Or that I've got no control over anyway. And then we can really spread it out. So thinking about how can you bring more awareness to the way that your body is feeling? And when you're activated, what choices can you do to try and settle that nervous system? Mm. And as you all of that, the thing that makes the ability to have that awareness and to be less reactive and and to be more, you know, respond more than react, the thing that makes that easier is to make the choices to look after your battery, to have your battery. If your battery's charged, 
you can stay a lot more calm. You're not going to be as reactive. Things aren't going to trigger you as much and you'll be able to have more awareness about how you are. So that's why, again, the simplest thing, the battery is just so, so crucial because the more that you're feeling energized, well-rested and all of those things, the easier those decisions will be. But the trouble is like, especially, you know, Christmas where we really like the, you know, the pressure is right up. Like we are, that bottle is shaken up and fizzing and you're about to release the top because, you know, exactly all the stuff that we're talking about. We're leading up to Christmas with so much stress and pressure, pressure, pressure. And then we get there and it's like, so the more that you can start to prepare yourself in advance by, you know, trying to get a bit more sleep and moving your body and all those sorts of things, the more you'll be able to respond to anything that might trigger you on Christmas Day and, and those difficult maybe moments that you might experience as well. The other thing that I was thinking about is really just having that awareness around you can be the energy and the good vibe for Christmas. Like, you know, if we all just took responsibility for how each of us is going to show up, like the more that you can feel good and be in your energy and, you know, try to bring the good vibes, the more that's going to help everybody because, you know, so so take take responsibility for that in a good way and be like, well, you know, if I can just show up with a little bit more joy and just try and do my best to make it a fun day for everybody and, you know, to stay happy and to make it fun, like that will have a ripple effect too. And one little thing that I did last year, which I actually loved and I thought I'd share it, was I just wrote little notes for everyone that was coming. So, you know, because we had Christmas here at home last year. And so I just wrote a little like thank you note. So they all got it when they arrived because everyone was sort of staying. So just on their bed with a little chocolate or something, I think, and just, you know, just why I was grateful that they were here with us, like to all of Tim's family. And I just thought that's just a nice little tip that you could try because it not only puts makes you feel good, but it makes you think about the things that you're grateful for about certain people that are coming and, you know, and it puts you in that state of like, oh, I'm really thinking about, yeah, well, I really, I really am grateful for that that person and the things that they do and and it just lifts the energy for everybody that might be there for that day. So that's one little nice tip that I thought could be helpful for people because it just, you know, we can all take responsibility for how we're showing up on the day, can't we? Oh, absolutely. And there are two key things that you just mentioned that I'd love to highlight. The first one was how we co-regulate off each other. So our nervous systems are constantly communicating. So we all know that feeling of when you're feeling quite good and then you walk into a room and then all of a sudden you feel heightened or stressed or nervous. And so that's because we co-regulate off each other. We feel each other's nervous systems and then that can be quite contagious. There's this emotional contagion going on. So when we're more aware, we can start to notice, oh, I'm feeling a bit edgy now, some deep breaths. I'm choosing to be calm and centred today. And when I'm starting to feel activated, I'm going to go to the toilet or I'm going to go for a walk. So really being responsible for your energy and being aware that other people's nervous system influences our nervous system and particularly as parents our nervous system really impacts our young people's nervous system so if we want our children to feel relaxed and happy and having a good time it's really important that we as adults are feeling relaxed and happy and having a really good time the second thing that you mentioned was those little notes which is such a good idea and that's a positive primer we're priming the environment to have a good time so that's why it's great to send messages like five more sleeps to go we're going to have so much fun. I've got the Mariah Carey playlist ready to go. Like whatever it is for your family that gets you excited, if it's a silly, you know, that stealing um, KK Santa thing, whatever it is, 
consciously building in this positive primer that it's going to be good. I'm going to make it good. Yes, there are going to be some parts that maybe challenge me, but I'm going to make it really good because what we know about systems and families are a system, like communities are systems. And what happens is if just one person makes a change, that goes through the system. As I said earlier, it's that ripple effect goes through the system. So if you arrive somewhere and someone's upbeat, got music on and giving you a big hug and can't wait to see you, think, oh, this is great. I'm so excited to be here. They want me to be here. I'm feeling good. So my nervous system settled, their nervous system settled, and then we're in a good space. However, if someone, if you get greeted with a sight, you know, the glance to the side or the look up and down, then you're heightened and you're stressed. So just starting to notice these dynamics, you don't necessarily have to do anything about it, but just start to notice it and start to notice just how much power you have to show up and to bring joy, to bring connection, bring to the party what you want to experience. If you want to experience joy and connection, bring it, bring the joy and connection to Christmas. If you want to experience you know, really meaningful conversations, be the one to start it. So that's our challenge to everybody is whatever you want to experience this festive season, if it's over New Year's, if it's just over summer, if you want to experience joy, rest, calm, bring it for yourself because then you give permission for other people to bring it as well. Yes, absolutely love that, Meg. I could not agree more and it's such a beautiful way to frame it for yourself and to think about it going and have that intention you know setting that intention for you that you're going to bring the joy and and you're going to make it fun and just really do your best to to stay in that vibe you know it's something that I take great responsibility for myself now is because I you know I know just how impactful and how codependent and how co-regulatory we all are and it really can just make such a difference if you just focus and at the end of the day that's all any of us can do really is focus on how we're showing up and the energy that we're bringing and just do our best to stay in that. And I love that invitation to really just, you know, show up and bring the joy this Christmas. And Meg, I think that's actually a really nice place to wrap up. Did you have anything else to add? Yes. Yes. One more thing. I've got one more strategy or framework that I use pretty much hourly this year. (laughs) And it's (laughs) being mindful of the gap. What is my expectation? versus what is the reality so this could be what is my expectation of self what am I expecting of myself versus what am I actually capable at the moment like am I capable of having the whole family over and cooking all of it is that possible is my expectation out of touch with reality because what we know is when there's a significant gap between our expectations and our reality this is where resentment thrives. This is where disconnection thrives. This is where judgment thrives. And so my invitation is when things don't go to plan, think about, well, what was my expectation here? What was my expectation of the way someone else will behave? You know, we often have this expectation that people are going to behave in ways that make sense to us. However, that's not how humans work. You know, I remember Dr. Phil used to always say the most predictable, you know, indicator of behavior is past behavior. So people are going to show up in your life and they're going to behave like they always behave. So Katrina is going to Katrina. 
Katrina, Katrina's. Katrina behaves like Katrina. Meg, I behave like Meg. And it would be unrealistic to expect that come Christmas Day, Katrina's going to all of a sudden behave like Meg or I'm going to behave like Katrina. Like it doesn't work like that. So a framework that's so helpful is really think about what is the gap here? What is my expectations? And are they fair? And because we're, you know, like to do things well, I really don't like the idea of lowering expectations. Like that word of lower just makes my perfectionist performer, pleaser, just feel a bit ill. (laughs) And so I love the idea of just being kinder. So what's a kinder expectation I can have of myself and what's a kinder expectation I can have of others? Because at the end of the day, I think, what leads us most to disconnection is our judgment about others and how they're behaving. And if we could just accept that everybody is doing the best they can with what they've got, we're going to be in a much better place. And that's where I love Brene Brown's work about what's the most generous assumption we can make about someone. So we may be thinking, oh, they're a bit hard to handle or they're a bit difficult. But a more generous assumption could be they're having a really hard time they've had a really hard year. How could I bring the joy? How can I bring the connection to them? So that's my final bits um, or advice is to mine that gap because it can really pull us in really difficult waters. The closer our reality and expectations are, the more joy and connection we can have with others. Yes, and I would just add to that too, like rather than, again, just coming back to the self, rather than expecting other people to behave in a different way, really tune back into how you're behaving and how you might have behaved in the past and and were you the person that you wanted to be in past Christmases or, you know, how did you show up last Christmas and are people expecting you to behave a certain way and is that way a way that you feel proud of and how can you rather than expecting other people to do something differently and change the way they're showing up, just bring it back to you again and think about, all right, well, how can I really just be the person that I want to be on Christmas Day and show up like that and be the example? Bring that joy and just bring the energy and do the best that you can with yourself. And I think that's all that we can do. And I just love this chat so much because I think this stuff is just so important and so helpful. And it's such a difficult time for so many people. And just that reminder that we're all in this together. No one escapes the the struggles of being human and the challenges. And as you always say, Meg, the choices that we make really do matter and we can make choices to show up for ourselves as best as we can. So, Meg, I've loved it. Thank you so much. Oh, it's been so good. And I just i am so excited to see how people bring joy to this festive season. So important. We need joy at the moment. That's what we need. We need heartfelt joy and connection. We absolutely do. And it takes courage to be joyful, as as Brene Brown would say. So, you know, best of luck, be brave, bring the joy, and Merry Christmas. Thanks so much, Meg. Merry Christmas, everyone. (laughs) Bye. I hope you enjoyed this bonus episode as much as Katrina and I enjoyed recording it for you. So in summary, here are our tips for the festive season. Number one, charge your battery. Sleep, move, nourish, rest, connect. Number two, start to notice why you're doing what you're doing. Is it coming from a space of pleasing others or is it because you really want to? 
Number three, when things don't go to plan, check in with your expectations and potentially there may be a gap between your expectations and reality. Number four, think about how do you want to be this festive season? What are you going to bring? Are you going to bring the calm, the joy, the energy, the fun? Really think about what you want to bring and the behaviours you need to do to make that happen. And finally, at the end of the day, we are all human. We are doing the best we can with what we've got. And it's a wonderful time to cut ourselves and others a lot of slack. Before you go, I would like to invite you to stop and take a moment to think about the following two questions. Number one, from this conversation, what is one thing you want to remember? And number two, What is one action you can take in the next 24 hours to support your well-being? If you're ready to take your well-being to the next level, you can now sign up for the wait list of my signature well-being program, Energy by Design. I am so excited about this program. I run this program twice a year and it's a program for big-hearted educators that want a space to connect, share, laugh and learn with others that just get it, to have the opportunity to learn real skills and strategies so you can experience more energy, clarity and confidence. The next round kicks off Monday, the 31st of January. So if you're interested in being a part of Energy by Design, sign up now for the wait list and I am so excited, like beyond excited to see what we can create in this container. It goes for 10 weeks and from past experience, what we can do in that 10 weeks is absolutely transformative. If you are flirting with the idea of putting yourself further up the priority list and getting serious about your well-being, this is the opportunity for you. To support the show, please rate and review on iTunes and share this episode with any family, friends or colleagues you think can do with a little bit of TLC and a little bit of a pep talk this festive season. All the links from this episode will be in the show notes. Thank you for listening to an episode of the School of Wellbeing. This episode was proudly brought to you by Open Mind Education. Open Mind Education is committed to sharing wellbeing education that makes sense. To learn more, visit the website openmindeducation.com. There you can sign up for the free five-step energy guide to help boost your energy so you can better navigate the ups and downs of life. Thank you for listening and I look forward to sharing more lessons in the School of Wellbeing next week.